The Path of Resistance podcast is the podcast for people wanting to learn how living life with intentionality can lead us to living our best lives. In today's world, the norm is to follow the path of least resistance, which leads to mediocrity at best. Instead, you should strive to take the path of resistance, knowing that what's to come is sweeter than what you ever could have imagined. I'm your host, Carly Welty. Join me as I interview guests who have taken the path of resistance in all areas of life and are here to share the beauty that has brought them. On this journey, you can expect to hear stories about finances, faith, business, mindset, and anything in between. Let's dive in. Today I have with me Stephanie. Her greatest passion is working with entrepreneurs, coaches, and licensed professionals such as attorneys and psychologists to craft their stories into books that they can be proud of. During the interview, we talk about her nine-step process that she created to teach people how to write a book, the route of self-publishing versus publishing with an agent, the cost of writing a book, and more. Here's the episode. Hi, Stephanie. How are you today? I'm great, Carly. How are you? I'm so good, and I'm glad to have you on the podcast today. Okay, so we're just going to dive right in. The first question I always ask everyone is, what is an example of a time that that you took the path of resistance, which led to a more beautiful result? Gosh, I mean, there's been so many examples. I guess uh, one I can uh, give is when I lived abroad for three years. I had always wanted to travel. I was so busy writing and teaching writing and coaching writers. And this was before the pandemic that I just never even really took a vacation, let alone lived abroad. And when I was living abroad, I was willing to take more risks with my business because A, my costs were lower and B, I was obviously not resisting <laughs> changing my life. So I would say that living abroad for three years definitely impacted my life and my business. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that. I've interviewed two now writers or people in the writing world that have traveled abroad. Where were you traveling when you did that? So I lived in Trinidad for three months. For those who don't know, it's a little island of the Caribbean. And then this is the country most people probably don't know about, Suriname. It's a very tiny country near Guyana and Brazil in South America. So I pretty much lived those two places, especially Suriname. I also traveled to French Guiana, which is still legally a part of France. And that's also a South American country. And then I did some traveling throughout the U.S. and Canada as well. How did you pick your places that you went that you wanted to travel? So I have studied religion and uh, law and other subjects in graduate school. And one of the, especially in the religion courses, I was really interested in Suriname, Trinidad, and Brazil. I didn't get to go to Brazil because the pandemic started basically the weekend I was supposed to go to Brazil. So I wound up staying in Suriname and never made it to Brazil, although I'm hoping to later this year. But I pretty much the places that my professors were talking about had diverse religions. You know, we didn't have all the, you know, in in these countries, the religious intolerance and arguing and things like that. Like in Suriname, there's a mosque and a synagogue that share the same property. You just don't see that in other countries. So I picked it, you know, because more tolerant atmospheres, the food and you know the culture and obviously uh accessibility to english speakers although i do speak several other languages you know i was looking for a place where people you know at least some people would speak english especially when i was learning dutch dutch is the official language of Suriname. did you feel like 
traveling abroad really allowed you to change your perspective on the world? Uh, Yes, but it's very funny. Uh, A lot of people you know, think that because you're an American or you're European that you're rich and that's not true. It's funny. It's like for certain services or goods, I would send a local friend of mine to go take care of it because in a lot of these countries, they don't have the prices posted on the wall. So it's like you have to negotiate and whenever a foreigner goes in there, it's like they get the highest price possible. So I found that that was interesting, that there's a lot of perceptions that I'm sure some of this has to do with colonialism and things of that nature. But there's a perception that because you, you're American or you're European, that you just have euros and dollars falling out of trees. It's also interesting. So I'm um, Hispanic and uh, white. My mother's white. But outside the United States, people automatically see me as white. So it's just very interesting. But here, a lot of people automatically see me as a Latina. So just the perceptions of race and money are very different from country to country. Do you own a small business and need help with your numbers? I can help with that. Hi, I'm Carly Welty, owner of KW Accounting Services and the host of this podcast. Knowing your numbers is definitely in the top five things you should absolutely, without a doubt, no questions asked, prioritize in your business. You might be scared because you think your numbers are a mess, but I can help you get them organized and keep them organized going forward. Go to my website, carlywelty.com, to book a free consultation call to get quoted. Are you just starting your business and you have more expenses than income? Even if you don't have room in your budget for a bookkeeper, I still have something that can help you. Look on my website to see if my DIY bookkeeping template is right for you. Right now, get 10% off my template with the code podcast. I've brought you on to talk about books and publishing a book. Can you tell us a little bit about how you help your clients and what you do? So yeah, uh, like I was mentioning before, and if you officially started, I've been a writer for Gosh, I would say I I started getting paid for my writing during high school. So almost 30 years, some people are like, you don't look that old, but I'm 43 just for the record. But, you know, (laughs) professionally post high school, I've been a writer for 25 years. I was a journalist, so I wrote for newspapers and was a newspaper reporter. But when I was in college, I worked, you know, some of my professors were authors. One of them was on Oprah's book club and they needed student assistants and editors and stuff like that. So I started editing people's books. Then I started teaching writing more. And then there were just people that were coming to me, uh, I would say starting in the last 20 years, they wanted to write a book, but they didn't know how to do it or they didn't feel motivated to do it. So I literally coached them through writing a book. While I was in Suriname, I created a nine-step process where literally I carry you through it, where it takes you from book idea to final chapter. But I mean, I've helped people with no writing experience write and publish books that became Amazon bestsellers. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your nine-step process. I think what my original question was going to be is how does someone get from the idea in their mind to write a book to actually publishing it? So with your nine-step process, does the end steps include publishing or it's just to get to the end of writing the book? 
Uh, so that's a great question. I would say that it does include like, you know, at the end of the program, they're ready to publish a book and they know all the steps that they need to do that, which I can go over now or later. But I mean, basically, the first thing is to make a decision to write the book. That's a lot of the resistance I find on sales calls because people, they want to write the book, but they keep saying someday, 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 someday. And that's fine to say someday, but make a decision that's going to be someday and not now, mm-hmm. you know, and I would uh, urge people who are listening, who are thinking about it, get more specific. Like, for example, uh, everything I teach, I've done myself. I am writing a book myself again right now because I haven't written one in 15 years, not a full length book, because I've been so busy helping other people with their work. And so I'm writing a book about how I do writing for attorneys. That's my other business. Like I do a lot of writing for attorneys. So I'm writing about that. But it's like, I do the same thing I teach my clients. I make a decision. I made a decision I was going to write it this year. You know, by the end of the year, I will have written and published this book. And, you know, most people I work with, they want to do it like in a three to six month time frame. That's typically how I work with people. Although some folks have needed a year. But, you know, make that decision to write a book. And it doesn't have to be right this second that you're going to write it. If you reasonably want to write next year, go ahead and say you want to write next year. Or make a decision that maybe you don't want to write the book. Because I had one lady come to me recently from a networking group I'm in. And she said her family really wanted her to write a book. Really wanted her to write a book. They really wanted her to write a book. But while I was talking to her, I could tell she didn't really want to write the book. And I felt it would be unethical as you know what to take her money because I could tell she really did not want to do it and she was going to be doing it to please people. So that's something to think about too, because a lot of people, especially people who have been through trauma, I've worked with a lot of people who have been through some kind of trauma and want to turn that into a good you know, message and help others while also helping their businesses. It's like, you know, maybe it's not the right time for you to write about that. Maybe you need more therapy because coaching isn't therapy. So there's just a lot of factors that go into it. But I would say the most important thing is to decide you want to write a book. You want to write a book. And, you know, when you're going to do it, at least a general idea. And then we can do all the things that I do, like, you know, give you assignments, help you come up with your title, help keep you accountable. A lot of people tell me the accountability is really important, knowing that they invested time and financial resources and that somebody is there for them every week for this set period of time. And that motivates them to do the homework, so to speak. Yeah. So it's, I think the, going back to the first step of commitment, that is super important. And it's, and it's good to decide whether you want to write this book, if you're doing it for yourself, or if you're doing it for someone else, because you need a a strong why in order to probably go through the whole process. I'm sure it's not easy breezy. (laughs) And so um, the first step is committing. What's the second step? So I would say the second step, and this is like, you know, informal is like, you know, so you're committed actually doing the work which uh, a lot of people I've worked with recently are psychologists, which I've found really interesting. So they don't tend to have as much resistance as, you know, some other folks, but, you know, actually sit down doing the work. And one of the recommendations I make, and this is something I do myself, is to schedule that time on your calendar 
or it's not going to get done. Like say from two to 3 p.m. on Mondays, you're going to write your book. I had one gentleman, he got out of bed two hours early in the morning. He was a stay-at-home dad. He got up two hours earlier every morning, five days a week, so he could work on his memoir. So like really actually doing the work, scheduling that time. Yeah, so I would agree. Writing the book and actually doing the work is super important. So is that, so the first step is committing and is writing the book and doing the work, is that the second step in the process? Well, actually not really. So the second step is I really help you own your power as a confident and capable, they're calling it authorpreneur nowadays. Like I said, some people come to me because they want to just write a memoir and get their story out there. Most people come to me, they have a business, so they want it to serve two purposes, tell a personal story or teaching something as well as bringing more leads to their business, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of helping people combat, I know this term is overused, imposter syndrome. There's a lot of people who come to me and they, maybe they've written a blog or a newsletter or something like that, but they don't consider themselves writers. So I help them own their power that, you know, actually a lot of people I've edited or coached who aren't writers have better books because I think they don't overthink it as much. Like I catch myself overthinking when I'm writing for myself because of all the writing background training I've had. So it's like, I really help you overcome any doubts about whether you can do this. Yeah. And that's another question I had is if you had to be a, a previous writer in order to write a book. So from your perspective, you don't need to be a previous writer. No. And I've had some clients dictate their books. They're better speakers than writers, like especially people who are coaches and professional speakers. They're like just telling their stories and it goes voice to text. And then like I can edit that to make it sound more like a book. So that's an it's not an official step in my nine step process, but it's one of the tools I use helping people decide do they want it? Like if you type 20 words a minute, for example, maybe that's not going to be the best use of your time to type the book. Some people, they're on the go a lot. I work with a lot of people who are parents, which is interesting because I'm not a parent, but a lot of the people come to me are parents. So they're doing things. I had one client who was do, writing her book while her child was at soccer practice. So she was using the laptop because she was comfortable doing that. But I've had other moms who are just speaking into their phone while their child is at a practice. So we determine things like that. Are you going to be better served, like getting little bits of time between practices? Or do you need to get up earlier in the morning? There's just a few things we do to optimize your time and help you own your power. Yeah, interesting. There's so many different ways to to get that work done. Okay, so committing is the first step. Owning your power is the second step. What's the third step? So the third step is to determine the one thing that you would want your readers to remember about you and your book. Again, this is going to be different depending on who it is. Like I've had, like I said, I've had people who really want to focus on the business in their book. I've had people that want to focus on the personal story getting out there. I've had people mesh both. So, you know, I had one client who had ayahuasca retreats. So that was what she wanted people to remember about her and her book. I had another client whose daughter had committed suicide after being sexually abused. Really tragic story. She wanted people to remember her daughter, you know, remember her daughter's name. Uh, in my book, I want the attorneys to remember me as somebody who either write their content for them 
or help them learn how to write their content. So just really determine that one thing that you want people to remember about you and your book. Yeah, getting that clarity. I feel like clarity is so important in a lot of business aspects that people go through. What's what's step number four? So step number four is we identify addressed obstacles that may get in the way of writing your book, which uh, we've touched on a little bit. But, you know, if you know that like one thing I have people experiment with is whether they're better writers in the morning or at night. I'm a better writer in the morning. I can get it done at night, but I'm a better writer in the morning. You know, so we identify those obstacles. Again, that's why one client, he got up earlier. Uh, Another thing is self-doubt gets in the way a lot. So most people come may have some sort of spiritual or religious practice. So depending on what it is, they may need to pray. They may need to meditate. You know, they may need to talk to a pastor or a coach. You know, some of my clients have multiple coaches for multiple things. So, (laughs) you know, we, we identify like strategies, especially if there's been trauma involved. Like I said, I am very careful about large wing coaching and therapy. But if there's been trauma involved, there may be a point where it's safer to stop, you know, and it's not an obstacle. It's a legitimate reason to at least stop temporarily regroup, speak to a therapist, et cetera. So we identified as obstacles and that's going to vary all this. I mean, it, but this really will vary from person to person. Yeah. And the obstacles are so unique to each person, but I like I like that you identify that so that way you can get them out of the way before you even start writing the book so that you can be the most successful possible. So then what's step number five? So step five and six kind of go together, even though they're separate. So I'll talk about five first. So embracing the systems and support necessary to write, finish and publish your book. So obviously that person has already made that first step by hiring me to work with them. But, you know, do they need other support? You know, are they speaking about family trauma? I had one woman that like her uh, daughter was not on board with her discussing certain traumas. So there's this things that we need to, you know, come up with. Uh, Another part of the system is scheduling that time out on your calendar, you know, to make sure that you're writing You know, I encourage each of my clients to start speaking about their book on social media. You don't have to get into deep specifics, but like let your audience know that you're writing a book. And that also helps keep you accountable because, (laughs) you know, it's an additional layer of accountability because and I need to do this myself. This is on my list for this week. But, you know, it's additional layer of accountability. It makes it more real. I've had one client where she she needed to have the book cover made early so she could see the cover and again it made the book more real to her so we just really come up with like the systems and the support necessary to get it done I like that you said that people should like tell other people they're writing a book and I think it goes back to kind of step number one the commitment of when you're going to do it because I know someone who wants to write a book And um, she actually said recently that for the longest time, she was like, oh, someday I want to write books. Someday I want to write a book. And then she was like, you know what? I'm not going to say that anymore. I have, I'm writing a book or, you know, whatever the deadline is, put that together so that you have that accountability with your friends that you're telling that you are writing a book, you know, in a year, if they remember, they're going to be like, Hey, did you ever write that book? (laughs) So, So that's good for people. Okay. So we've gone over steps. What is it? One through six. So Oh, actually we, yeah, one through five. 
One through five. Okay. So what's six? So we're going to create a plan. So there's no confusion during the writing and publishing process. And I actually have blueprints and forms and stuff I've made that we go through, but like it's lack of organization, I think, and lack of planning more so than a lack of time that stops people from writing their book. Believe me, as I'm going through this process again, myself using everything I've been teaching, I've noticed that it's like, you know, getting really organized and making sure that you're maximizing your time and doing the best possible because otherwise the confusion a confused mind says no one of my business mentors said that years ago so if someone's confused it's going to make it that much harder to write the book and finish it I feel like all the steps that we've gone over so far they can relate to other business like entrepreneurial or even task outside of business like committing owning your power determining one memorable thing addressing obstacles embracing systems creating a plan so those are all great so far okay so what's step number seven so I'll teach you how to write your book in a systematic manner while enjoying or even loving the process so what we do here is how to best utilize your writing time again it goes back to where are you going to be writing when are you going to be writing? Are you going to be dictating? You know, are you going to be typing, et cetera? And then what parts of your book to write in what order? And then that's when we really start going to everything you need to know about publication. I would say almost all of my clients self-publish, which has many advantages as well as some disadvantages. But others, they do want to go through the traditional process where you get a literary agent, you know, you make book proposals. So we go through the nuances of those options. I would say nine out of 10, though, pick the self-publishing route. And why do you think people should self-publish rather than getting an agent? Well, there's a ton of advantages. One of them is and they can also be disadvantages if you use it the wrong way. Uh, but uh, you're going to get more money per book sold. You're going to keep all the rights to your book. I've had people come to me because they had a publisher print their book, but then they made the book go out of print because they weren't making money on it anymore, but the publisher still owned the rights to the book. So they couldn't go republish their own book, even though the publisher didn't want it anymore because the contract signed. So Mm -hmm. things like that, you know, are disadvantages, you know, obviously there is going to be a layer of credibility if you go through a traditional publisher, uh, but there's no guarantee of success. It's really, really hard to get an agent and a publishing contract nowadays. And also I've had people come to me because they were unhappy with the publisher, like cut out wonder stories in their book or changed it or introduced errors and things into it. But with self-publishing, you do have to make investments up front. And I think that's what stops some people because you need to have, and this is something we go over in this step and other steps, you need to have a book cover. And it needs to be a good book cover because people do judge a book by the cover. <laughs> so if it's like, you've, I'm sure you've seen on Kindle, like all the templated covers, if it looks like just another templated cover and it, it you're unless they know you they might not buy it you need to obviously have it edited uh that's a separate service i offer or some people buy both you need to have it edited because it makes you look really really not credible if you have a book that's full of typos and i can't tell you how many hundreds of amazon reviews i've seen where somebody said that person didn't hire an editor so you have to you know do things like 
get a book cover, get it formatted, you know, for print and digital so people can read it, get it edited. You have to, and I will address this as well. A common misconception is if you get a publishing deal, they're going to do a lot of marketing for you. Unless you're like a big name author, that's not necessarily true. And a lot of agents are not taking people right now that don't have like a 50,000 or more Instagram following or things of that nature. So regardless of whether you go with a publisher or do it yourself, you're going to be spending a lot of time marketing your book or depending on your resources, having someone do it for you. So marketing is critical no matter which route you go, because if people don't know about your book, they can't buy it. Yeah, that's a very interesting misconception because that was one question that I was going to ask going the agent route and the publisher route. Wouldn't they market your book and therefore it would kind of not guarantee, but um, entice success, you know, with the marketing. But that's interesting because if they're only taking people with 50,000 followers or less, obviously those people are capable of marketing for themselves anyways, because they have such an audience. Right, exactly. I mean, I used to work for literary agents and have some experience with like doing editing and stuff for publishers, and they just don't have the resource they used to have. You know, digital books are a blessing and a curse. And it's like, it's not like it was in the 90s and even early 2000s, where it was like, you know, print book, you know, you're gonna have a big party. I mean, we still have COVID concerns. So it's like, there's not big launch parties anymore. But, you know, I had a, a client, the gentleman I mentioned who got up early in the morning because, you know, he was a stay at home dad. We were able to have a big launch party and he was self-published. Now this was right before, this was before COVID, but, you know, we were able to have a launch party. So there are definitely things you can do yourself or, you know, just as well, if not better than the publisher's. But again, it just really depends on you and your personality. Some people, it's just their dream to be published by a traditional publishing house. And I definitely would never, you know, knock someone's dream. I just worked somebody the other day as his editor who is doing that. He's going with a traditional publishing house because that's what he wants to do. It just really depends on who you are and how much time and patience you have because going with a traditional publishing house is a huge numbers and waiting game. Speaking of costs, you know, you charge for your services and then probably like whenever you self-publish, do you have to purchase your own books up front or what other costs are associated whenever you're going to self-publish? So if you if you need a, a coaching consulting program, obviously that's a cost. Um, mm -hmm. But some people don't. Uh, you're definitely going to need a book cover, you know, that can range you can get good people on Fiverr or you can get, you know, there's also, you know, artists that I, I work with in some field too, who don't use Fiverr. They usually charge a few hundred dollars for the book cover. So you need to get it formatted, you know, so people can read on their digital reader or have it printed. That's usually a few hundred dollars. The editing, it's going to depend on the length of your book. And whether you need, and this could be a whole other show, whether you need like <laughs> proofreading, copy editing, developmental editing, there's like not all editing is created equal. So if you're a strong writer and you know, you know your story pretty well and it's not fiction, you probably don't need a developmental editor, but you probably need a proofreader who's going to make sure there's no typos, things of that nature. If you don't have a strong grammar background, you're probably going to need a copy editor who's going to go through your sentence structure and things of that nature. So the editing, I mean, 
can run anywhere from a few hundred to a few thousand dollars. I mean, if you have a 200,000 word book, I mean, that's going to be the, the cheapest thing to do. Um, the marketing, obviously that varies, you know, you can do it yourself, especially if you're an entrepreneur and already have marketing knowledge and connections and things of that nature, or you can hire somebody to help that could be anywhere from an overseas virtual assistant who's reached out to podcasts to somebody, you know, such as myself who like gets the newspapers on the phone. So it really varies. Um, I've seen like some people charge like $15,000 to get your book written and published. I mean, you don't have to go that high. You definitely don't have to go that high. It just depends on who you are, what type of book it is and what you need. I mean, I've had people publish poetry and children's books for a few hundred dollars. And so do people generally, like I know there's a lot of whys on why people want to become an author, but do they have the monetization in mind? Like, do they ever say like, oh, I want to write a book to make money because it seems like it's, it varies so much. It just really depends on if the book is, is successful. Most people I've worked with, they uh, want to make money, but I teach them how to make money on what we call the back end. Like, because let's be honest, I mean, if you sell a thousand books at, you know, $10, you know, profit a piece, and that's just a higher number. I mean, that's like $10,000. That's not a ton of money. It's a common misconception that people are going to make a ton of money off of book sales alone. But I mean, I've had people who through their book, somebody booked an $8,000 consulting gig with them. I mean, and that's from one reader. I've done a podcast interview where somebody purchased a $3,000 service from me. So I think a lot of it goes in your marketing and using that book itself as a marketing tool without being sleazy about it, but just mentioning what you do and how your story is tied to that book. So I think it's 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 a common misconception that authors like made a whole bunch of money because I mean if you obviously if you sell a million books, I mean you're gonna make a whole bunch of money, but that's not the rule. That's the exception. So a lot of the people that come to me, they want to use it as like a credibility builder too, because it's easier to get speaking engagements, for example, especially if you're a coach, if you have a book to sell in the back of the room. It's easier to get on a podcast interview if you have a recently released book. You know, it also shows that you're an expert, that you're not one of these people that just talks about stuff but doesn't know how to do it. So, and, and there's this, it's usually a mix of things for the people I work with. A lot of them are women who have been through some sort of trauma and have like turned it into a business or a message. So they want to get their story out there to help people. And they also want to make money doing what they love. So it's just, it varies from person to person. Some people, it's just, they're like, it's my dream to write and publish a book. I don't need the money. I just want this story out there. So it just varies across the board. So do you help a lot of fiction writers or mostly nonfiction? I would say almost exclusively nonfiction. And uh, when I'm an editor, I do work with some, you know, fiction and poetry writers, but I find that the people who come to me, especially who need coaching slash consulting, because I basically, it's both that I do, <laughs> you know, it's, it's nonfiction because it's, uh, again, it's really hard to make money off of fiction or poetry. I mean, really, really difficult. Yeah, so one, I and, find it less people come to me wanting help. They they tend to want to do it themselves more. 
Yeah. Well, and I was just wondering because the goals and the outcome, they're so different with fiction and nonfiction. Okay. So we've gone over seven steps so far. What is the eighth step in your nine step process? So the eighth step is learning how to nail your book marketing online and offline, even before your book is finished. So we talked a little bit about that earlier, but basically, you know, start to get it out there that you're an author, you know, you're, when you're writing it, you're still an author, you know? So just the podcast interviews, that's something a lot of people I've worked with use for their books and their businesses, you know, newspapers. I think a lot of people overlook newspapers. There's an attorney I worked with recently and we're able to get him in some newspapers uh, for his book. So it's just, you know, really understanding what book marketing is because it's different from selling like say a service or a course. So really letting people know that the book exists and learning how to talk about it in a way that doesn't just get you a book sale, but maybe gets you a client or somebody who will refer a client to you. So that's something that I work with people on. Yeah. I feel like word of mouth is really what can be your best friend in this case, just getting the word out there that you're writing a book and that whenever it comes out, then people, you have that audience where people are ready to either, you know, read it and eventually hopefully become your client or just tell someone else they read the book and so on. So, okay. So what is the final ninth step? So the final step, but certainly it's last, but certainly not least is to leverage your new identity as an authorpreneur. That's why I like to call it. So you can get attention from not only your ideal clients, if that's why you're writing a book, but you know, the people that can advertise you to your ideal clients for lack of a better word, you know, these speaking event organizers, podcast hosts, newspaper reporters. I mean, I've had people get TV interviews from their book. You know, one client was in Time Magazine because of her book. So it's, you know, really not just putting the book out there and dropping on Amazon and it's over, which is a mistake a lot of people make. And I've done it myself. So, you know, just really leveraging that because, you know, 97% of the people who want to write a book, I believe the statistic is, never do it. So like you're one of those 2-3% of people that actually did what you set out to do. And it's really important to take advantage of that because it just, I just, I find even like lawyers who have won awards, like the newspaper is more interested in their book than their award so it's just you know it's it is something people can use for years and years to come a lot of people also believe that once there's like a window once the book is published and that's it and it is true that the earlier you let people know about it the more media coverage you're going to get but still that's an asset you have for the rest of your life especially if you self-publish it because you're not got to worry about it being you know unpublished so to speak going out of print but just really using that as leverage to cement your status as an expert. Yeah. So there's definitely plenty to do if you're thinking of writing a book. And I like that you broke out all these steps um, because it goes back to the first step of commitment after um, going through all these steps. If someone's thinking they want to write a book and they go through all this and they're like, Oh my gosh, that seems overwhelming. Maybe now is not the right time. Then it goes back to that commitment or On the other hand, if you go through all these nine steps and you're like, I'm fired up, I'm ready to go, let's do this, then it still goes back to that commitment. So I think all of those steps are really important and they're really interesting. Thanks for taking us through that. 
what do you think in your opinion does a successful book look like like is it selling a hundred copies a thousand copies making the best selling list or somewhere in between I would say somewhere in between. So success, I think, is a mix of things. You know, it can be putting, you get your book to number one in multiple Amazon categories, which can be a great thing, but it's also overrated. So just be careful about that because there's been some people that have put their, say, their book about new age philosophy in an obscure category like Colorado Maps, and they went to number one. And that's, in my opinion, and there will be people who argue with me on this, that's not legitimate. If it's if it's not related to your book, I don't think that's ethical. But anyway, each their own. You know, getting getting some podcast interviews from it, getting in a newspaper, selling a thousand or more copies, I think is a great goal. I mean, it's it's really not difficult, especially if you're marketing it properly sell a thousand or more copies i've had people sell ten thousand copies so i think for most of my clients success is the fact that they got it done they got it out there they fulfilled this dream and now more people know about them but i mean there's been other clients they've gotten in time magazine one he co-founded a drug rehab facility because of a, a he found a, a, a partner through writing his book about overcoming addiction so again, the goals could be personal. Success is personal to everybody. There was mm-hmm. another client who wound up uh, making so much from book sales and speaking engagements that he bought a second house. So <laughs> it just, you know, it depends on if it's, and there's nothing wrong with it being both. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with helping people and making money at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so then you're probably the perfect person to ask this question. This is the last question I'll ask is, okay. what's a book or a resource that has really helped you in your business or life that you always recommend to others? Gosh, I would say the artist's way would be really, I think, related to this. I mean, there's so many books I could recommend to others. The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. She like encourages you to get a morning pages writing habit. And it's not necessarily like for writing for a book. It's just mainly supposed to be like a brain dump. You know, it can also be a trauma coping philosophy. But I think it's a good tool to like get a writing habit going. Uh, and she really encourages people to do it by longhand with, with the traditional pen and paper because you're less likely to edit yourself. Obviously, that's not going to work for writing your book or for your business. But I think that's a great place for people who are interested in this topic to start because it's starting to get you into that writing habit. She talks a lot about writing. She's been a very successful writer herself. So that's why I would recommend. Thank you so much for that. So to wrap up, let's ask where can people find you if they want help, you know, um, being an author, where can they find you? So I have a free ebook on my website, gettheirattentionnow.com forward slash book, gettheirattentionnow.com forward slash book. It's called three things you must know before writing your book. So that'll give you my email address. Uh, that ebook also has a link to book a session with me. It's like a complimentary, you know, discovery session where we talk about, you know, if you've already written your book, do you need an editor? Do you need marketing? Or if you're thinking about writing a book, what do you need to make that a reality? So there's absolutely no pressure ever. <laughs> so that would be a great way to get started. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to interview with me. Thank and you. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks. I hope this episode was helpful for you if you ever have thought about writing a book. Here's today's takeaways. 
Number one, this might seem obvious, but the first step to writing a book is deciding you want to. A huge part of this is putting a timeline to writing the book. Is now the right time or a year from now the right time? Set a time and stick to it. Number two, now that you have a timeline of when you want to write the book, schedule it on your calendar so it actually gets done. Number three, it's a lack of organization rather than a lack of time that hinders people from writing a book. And number four is the nine steps that Stephanie uses to teach people how to write their book. Step one, decide to write the book. Step two, own your power. Step three, determine the one thing you want people to remember about your book. Step four, identify and address the obstacles that may get in the way of writing your book. Step five, embracing systems and support. Step six, creating a plan. Step seven, learning how to write your book in a systematic way that allows you to enjoy the process, like deciding what parts of your book to write in what order. Step eight, learning how to nail your marketing even before your book is finished. And last but not least, step nine, leveraging yourself as an author. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share it with a friend or leave us a review on Apple Podcast. See you next time.